Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Welcome to my latest experiment. This is a big one, the one I've been waiting for all my life. I just want to relax. Nice lukewarm bath. <laughs> I don't know how much longer I can hold this. Sarah Connor. Now look, carnage. Dead. Dead, dude. Well, what's fun about that? Quite sweet, really, aren't they? God, I love this street. Now what? And we're here. It's been a long time since we've recorded. We forgot about it. Did we forget about it? Well, we didn't forget about it. <laughs> for a cup it's been a couple months but yeah but, you know at the end of the school year you were doing tests and you had a lot of a lot of testing going on and a lot of stress with that and so we kind of took a step back while that was going on and then we went from the end of the school year right into swim team season and you've been doing swim practice every single day uh in so the you so, right in the morning early but, morning but the point is is that you've been spending an enormous amount of time in the water which I yeah, think true. is exciting because... And relevant to this conversation. <laughs> the movie that we're back to talk about today is... Jaws! <laughs> so, Claire, why don't you, uh, why don't you tell folks where, like, wh- where did we see it and what was that like? So we went to the Alamo party thing. Isn't that what it was called? As a, as a movie party at the Alamo Draft House in Loudoun, Virginia. And so in this thing, if any of you have never been there... My dad goes with his friend Brad, and they, and sometimes my mom goes. Why, why are you, why are you telling him about my dates with Brad? <laughs> I, I feel like it's more like the opposite. It's your dad goes with me, and sometimes he goes with his friend Brad. I do not want to be his like second choice date. Yeah. yeah so uh, I think after this, we'll tune into uh, comic book couples counseling, uh, and we can maybe figure out relationship management. Since apparently Brad is <laughs> intruding into my married life. Thank you for observing that, Claire. Well. So it's so it's the, the Alamo Draft House. It's yeah. a movie party, um, and it was on the big screen. What was that like? It was pretty nice. I mean, she the doesn't really have it. anything to compare it to because it was her first one. Yeah, that's true. And well, so I don't like it that it was my first watch on the big screen. Even though that the big screen is pretty nice, it's that if we were watching it at home, I would be able to stop it and take a break if I needed to. I didn't, but it would have been nice to have that as a thought if I needed to. Well, you know, one of the things that I was worried about taking you to see it on the big screen for the first time was that I, I one of two things was going to happen in my head. You would either be terribly bored for like 90% of the movie, or you would be extremely upset from the time that that kid gets at in the water violently and murdered. Honestly? When we were riding home, I don't know if you remember, but I said that the kid dying was my favorite part. <laughs> I remember that. It does stand out in your head when your your kid says, oh, my favorite part was when that kid was murdered. <laughs> what made that your favorite part? It was the most detailed part. Okay. It's like when the girl is dying, you don't see, you don't see the blood. It skips from her. It's like her, like, Getting tra- swallowed by the dinosaur, not dinosaur, the shark swallowed by the deadly shark. This so like she is dying, and the boy's just sitting on the beach. He does, he's not even listening. And well, they cut from as soon as she's sucked under the water and she doesn't come back up. It's like a couple seconds of just the sun setting or something like that, and then they skip. There's no blood or anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when the guy, when the kid dies, it's super art. It's super detailed. And 
probably maybe the most important part of the movie. You think you think the kid getting eaten is the most important part? Probably. Why maybe do you say one that? of them. Because it's like what sets up the whole thing that the mayor is like think rethinking. Well, he's not rethinking at all, but like he's like, Well, I guess we could shut it down for twenty four hours. You have twenty four <laughs> hours for the beach to be closed. But the reason is he doesn't want it to be closed for a long amount of time is because the money they make from the island is people coming to the sea. Yeah, I guess. Do you think it's bad that the death of a kid only buys a day of beach closure? Yes. <laughs> it's a kid and you're, and another girl has died. And you're saying that the, the pool where there's like hundreds of thousands of millions of people there for the 4th of July and you're saying that one, that two people died from a great white shark. You're saying that you only close it for 24 hours and they're going to be open. This is basically like a buffet <laughs> and all you can eat buffet for the shark. <laughs> well, you're not wrong. All right. Well, I think we're getting into the story a little bit, but I want to I want to focus on. OK, so we're we're at the theater. You can't take breaks. You can't take a pause. You know, was this movie too scary for you? Nah. I liked the sense of it being terrifying. Could you be any cooler when you did? You were like, nah, <laughs> nah, no big deal. I was sitting next to Claire. I can tell you definitively it was not too scary for her. She was cheering at one point. Yeah. That is very true. Well, I, you, I feel like the only times that you even suggested that you wanted to get out of your seat was because you had to go to the bathroom. And I know you <laughs> yeah. held a bathroom break for way too long at one point because you wanted to stay and watch the entirety of this movie. Yeah. Were any of the parts boring for you? Mm, I, I know that there was one part, but I'm remembering it. When everyone is running. So it's not when he's walking out of the beach and then he thinks that he sees a great white, that he thinks that he sees a shark. It's all the people running out. It's like they're stomping over each other and everything because of panic. I, I was That was pretty boring, honestly, to me. The beach panic was boring. Yes. Do you know what that word means? <laughs> what do you mean? boring yeah it was dull it was uninteresting it's, i'm gonna yep. guess that because it was a hoax oh okay. she, what she's really describing is that it was kind of a letdown i see that's my guess yeah so anyways see. i i think it's interesting to see movies on the big screen for the first time your, your mom and i both this movie was already out jaws came out in 1975 and you were saying before that that you never got mommy was um was really was like super excited and she was like you're not taking me out of this movie because we're not going to go like sit in the lobby for 15 minutes because it was your guys' first time seeing it on the big screen. Yeah, I don't think I'd seen Jaws on the big screen. You know, the Alamo Drafthouse is pretty good about doing repertory screenings of it uh, once a year or so, but yeah. I had not gone to see it on a big screen ever. Uh, and so this was, I think, this for me, seeing it on the big screen was a really important night. It was totally selfish for me. Did you enjoy it, though? Yeah. Yeah. I really loved the big pop at the end where they had those confetti poppers and you would pull the popper and then it would make a really loud sound. And then they're like, save your poppers for the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. And I really loved how you were able to talk, but it's only if you were going to like do a catchphrase or like sing to one of the songs. Right. I sung to one of the songs, but the catchphrase about the boat, I don't remember the boat catchphrase, but oh yeah. They're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> well, you're going to, you're need, a going to need a bigger boat. Your yeah. face 
when he turns and sees the shark as he's throwing chum in the water, you were like, Whoa! <laughs> there's a shark! It's a shark! <laughs> he's like throwing, throwing, throwing. And he turns around and he's like, what the? There's a shark! And he's like screaming. And, and then they come, but the shark went away and they're like, what are you, what the heck are you screaming about? And he's like, Sh- shark was, was eating the bait. What did you think about seeing the movie on the big screen, Danielle? Oh, I loved it. I mean, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I was, as a kid, like a total shark nerd. If that's a thing, that was like. That's definitely a thing. Yeah. People go to biology. Like, I think Jaws single-handedly is probably responsible for the rise of a whole bunch of marine biology majors yeah. and oh, yeah. masters and And they were PhDs. very disappointed when they learned that it's actually ichthyologists that mostly study <laughs> sharks and marine biologists, that you, they do a lot of like we're smaller. We're sharks. Yeah. Wait, I'm just dealing with plankton? This, this is, is bullshit. garbage. <laughs> yes. I know this because I researched marine biology programs extensively when I was like Claire's age because I was going to go to a university and I was going to become a marine biologist. Um, and I interviewed one and asked them about their experience and in college and stuff. And the one that I talked to actually worked with um, dolphins primarily. And, and she was like, yeah, no, you don't want to be a marine biologist because like the only reason that I get to work with dolphins is that I also have a degree in veterinary medicine. But most marine biologists are working with much, much, much smaller creatures. You wanted to work with sharks, you need to be an ichthyologist. And I was like, I don't even know what that word means. <laughs> it turns out it's the study of fish. Where do I go to school to enlist in the army to fight the sharks? Exactly. No, not fight. <laughs> save. I wanted to save them. Fight them. Ridiculous. No, it was it was so intense actually that I um my father is a um emergency medicine physician and sometimes he goes to yeah, Florida grandpa is what the kids call him. Um sometimes he goes to conferences. You know, doctors go to conferences and take classes and get credits towards recertification, things like that. And um he was actually going to a conference in Wyoming on treating um injuries that occur at sea and one of the seminars yeah one of the seminars was on shark bites and i actually registered to go to the conference and i went with him i was the youngest non-doctor there (laughs) i was like 12 and everybody else was a practicing physician and i had my little credentials and everything and yeah i was a total nerd (laughs) And uh, a couple people were like, you're not a doctor. I know this because you're not even old enough to drive. And I like had to pull out the brochure and be like, nowhere in here does it say you have to have a medical license. That sounds like you. It definitely is me. <laughs> and we had paid a lot of money. But um, so I'm like an expert in injuries that occur at sea. I know what to do with jellyfish and sea anemones and everything. Yeah. So sharks were a huge part of my life um, growing up and. Uh, seeing Jaws on the big screen was a big deal for me. And, and Claire is 100% correct. Um, you know, Billy was very concerned about whether it was going to be too scary for her. Was she going to be able to handle it? Should we show it to her at home first? And, not? and I was like, yeah, I don't care about any of that, but do not interrupt my viewing. <laughs> Mommy, do you mind if I tell the story, the one that you told me about you swimming at the at the bay when you were growing up? Sure. So Mommy, so mo- so Mommy was swimming at the de- at the bay, and she felt uh, she felt a tingle or something like that that something was swimming next to her and um 
You know, that when, sensation, yeah. like something's creeping. And when creepy. she was looking, and then, when she, and then she got out of the water. And when she got out, she thought it was a dolphin. And she was swimming like five feet away from a dolphin. And then she realized it was like a tiger shark or no, something. No, 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 bull shark. Bull shark. Bull shark. She was swimming like hey, five yeah, feet yeah, away yeah, from yeah, a hey, bull hey, shark. Hey, watch your language. <laughs> that is the worst <laughs> dad joke you have maybe ever told. Anyways, bull shark. It sounds like a swear. Anyway. Uh, disapproving. And, and then mommy realized that she swam five feet, like 18 feet away from a bull shark. And then she was completely frightened to go for that, to go in that bay for like a couple weeks or months. Uh, I mean, I never had very strong survival instincts, so it was like a few <laughs> days, I think. But, um, but because you know that there was a bay behind my house where I grew up, so I was in the bay like every day as a kid, pretty much. And um, it definitely I, I knew because I read so much about sharks that bull sharks are the only species that can live in brackish water. Um, and that particular bay is right at the mouth of a river. And the opening to the Gulf, so it fits the bill. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Prime bull shark territory. Warning: Do not go in something bay behind uh, in you, Florida, you know, Claire, Panama it's, City. It's, it's funny though because you you say that as though you should be afraid of the bull shark swimming around you, but but the truth is is Oops. that you're probably gonna be okay being around those sharks in the water for the most part. In, in fact, I think when you're in water, you're probably never too far from a shark anyways and for the most part they leave people alone they kind of, like jaws is notorious for giving a bad rap to sharks and making people afraid of them when really they don't really need to be i mean in in that way they're not that different from things like snakes or something like that where snakes are mostly just out to mind their own business and if you step on them or invade their immediate nesting space they'll defend themselves but for the most part they really don't go looking for people Great white sharks in particular get a very bad rap because they're so big that when they do have a bite situation on a human, very often the human dies. Yeah, because like uh, the leg is gone or their because, torso. Right, because they have like a 12 to 15 inch bite radius. So uh. it's, a, it's a large wound. Um, but in terms of the number of shark bites that great whites inflict on humans is actually very, very small compared to most species because they don't usually hang out where humans are. Um, Which are the jerk sharks? Tiger sharks? Or tiger sharks? Tiger sharks sharks? will eat anything. Is that what you're talking about? Bull sharks are the aggressive ones. I think that may be what you're thinking. uh, A lot of of bites on humans, I I would not say lethal attacks because they tend to be fairly small, but um, a lot of bites on humans are from bull sharks. They're the only species that will just aggressively come after you because they're very territorial. Um, Tiger sharks get lumped in with the like man eater category because they will eat anything well and that's they have they catch a tiger shark in jaws yeah. that's that's the shark that they catch that has the florida license plate in its gut when they spill it out yeah tiger sharks um they... it's not even big enough to eat a girl a teenage girl maybe an adult girl oh no that tiger shark was big enough oh. yeah because well, you have to understand that most sharks do not actually swallow like if they attack a human they don't swallow the whole prey they'll they bite and then they go, oh, you are not a seal. And they spit it out and they swim away. But the person may bleed to death before they get back to you know, shore or something. Um, not the water. They're in the water. Right. Yeah. Great whites have been known to swallow people whole, but it's largely because they're so big. Um, one of the most interesting things to me about um, Jaws 
is, you know, the whole premise of that movie is that this rogue shark, this great white, is has taken up the island, the waters off of Amity Island, and it's his feeding grounds is how they describe it in the movie. And they say, well, he'll hunt until the feeding grounds are empty. That could not be further from the truth. For one thing, most great whites only actually eat about once every three months. They don't. What? Yeah, they don't eat very often. They tend to eat a large meal, um, usually a smaller shark or um, a seal or um, sometimes a small whale or a dolphin or something. But it's a large uh, meal. meal. Yeah. And then they're full. And then they don't eat again for weeks and months. So the the idea that a shark would be attacking humans over and over and over again, the it's same very shark, wrong. yeah, it's super wrong. Um, it's like also, a Cujo situation for yeah, a great white shark, right? Exactly. <laughs> so is Jaws saying that there's multiple sharks, or are they just no, no, that no, they rat? just got their science wrong. It's because it's not a science movie. It's it's right. meant to be a, a scary thriller, and so they changed the way that reality works for sharks so that they could tell a fun story. Yeah, and now. It's kind of interesting because there are a lot of other species of sharks that they could have told that story with that would have been more accurate. Yeah, but you you want a giant. But you shark. want the biggest one, exactly. Yeah, what's what's uh, well, okay. Bull sharks are going to attack anybody in their area because they're super territorial, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how big is a bull shark? I don't oh, know. Five feet long. Right. Yeah, five six feet. Uh, yeah. That's that's not even as that's tall as a man. Scary. <laughs> what's a big shark? Well, a great white shark is uh, what is a great white shark like twenty twenty five feet? Uh, well, in the movie, he's twenty five feet long, but in reality, they usually top out around twenty. <laughs> right. So, I mean, a 20-foot shark, you want the 20-foot shark if there is a 20-foot shark option because it's scarier. Well, right. I'm thinking you should do a bull shark and then, like, is it, like, how do sharks reproduce more? Um, it depends on the species, um, but typically, um, so a female bull shark um, will, will become pregnant, which is really interesting because most fish do not um, do that. They lay eggs, right? Um, but a female bull shark will become pregnant. She will carry pups is what, what baby sharks are called. Um, and then they, each like one mate? is contained in an egg sack and they will hatch while still inside her what? and then just swim out. What? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Does she mate with them before it or does she, she just mate, Yeah, become? she will mate. No, no, no. She will mate with a male. Um, and. Well, uh, if it's, uh, if it's her own species, then what? Then what they could do, and if they wanted to, they could say that some reason she was a different shark, and she mated with a great white, and then the great white big sort of thing is the gen for one of the babies, and then the eating, man-eating thingy of a bull shark comes from the mother, so then you basically have a good shark that works. <laughs> I love it. Kind of. You have a hybrid the size of a great white with the territorial aggression of a bull shark. Jaws origin yeah. story that's, right there. That's Make fantastic that movie. idea, Claire. <laughs> You're going to love Deep Blue Sea when we get around to watching it because the, the idea, Deep Blue Sea, they went, oh yeah, okay, so the whole great white shark thing, that's not going to work because great white sharks are actually fairly docile. Uh, well, docile is not the right word because they do like, uh, rip things to shreds, but um, divers have it can actually get in the water with great whites safely um, as long as they're trained to do it and they know how to do it. Because great whites are not bottom feeders; they feed on the surface. So if you're a diver and you get below the great white, 
Yeah, it's really it's cool. There, there's some great videos on YouTube that you can find of divers filming the like a like a feeding going on around them, mm-hmm. and it's crazy. That's one of the only scientifically accurate parts of the movie, by the way, is the um, uh, Richard Dreyfuss character. Um, yeah, he yeah when he's diving, he goes to the bottom and hides there, right? To and that's how he survived. Well, in in the cage. Well, re- in real life, would great white sharks, would they actually attack the cage? Because in the jump scare, it, the great white shark attacks the cage multiple times, creates a dent, but it's not breaking it. And then he swims away. And then I call it and I'm like, definitely jump scare right here. And then the shark swims up from behind and whams his head into it, breaking the cage. And... It was a jump scare. Mm-hmm. You knew it would happen, but it, you said that it scares you every time, even though you know that it's going to happen. Yep. I had never seen it before, and I called. You that did thing. call it, and I was actually really proud. I told your dad about that because the there was the creepy music, and then the music all of a sudden got silent, and Claire was sitting next to me, and she goes, "Ooh, there's a jump scare coming." And <laughs> that to me was a sign that you are a film enthusiast and that you've been watching a lot of movies and you're kind of picking up on the patterns of them and how they work. And I was very impressed, actually. And also, when um, I'd watched horror films before, the first, the um, zombies one, the Shaun of the Dead one in the black and white, the, it was like music, creepy music and everything with the zombies and everything. And then the music stops. You stop hearing the zombies. And then all of a sudden, one of the girls goes over the door and is missing. And you see that, and then the cube, creepy music starts again. But when she's going, and but when she's getting eaten, that is the that is the jump scare of that movie, or one of them. I don't know if it was a jump scare to you guys, but it was a jump scare to me. There's and a I couple of jump that scares that are good, good in there. The um the head when he finds the severed head. The head gets me every time I watch that movie. Well, and, every time. You know, I had forgotten about that scene. Um, and so we watch it. I mean, I know it's there, but we're watching it. And you know, your mom's not joking. She, that that gets her every time. And she is holding my arm while we're in the theater, and she goes and jerks. And I think I'm being attacked from the side and from the jump scare that's happening on the screen. Because I had forgotten that it was going to happen, and I was terrified. <laughs> terrified. In answer to your question, though, about the scientific accuracy of sharks attacking the cage, that is that is something that they do. Um, sharks don't have hands, so if they're <laughs> curious about something, if they want to know what something is, they bite it, and that says, "Hey, what is this?" Um, and <laughs> them so, and toddlers, right? Them and t- exactly. Babies put things in their mouth, like, "What the heck is this?" Um, sharks, pretty much the same way. And so they will. They so, will. So you're saying that sharks have the mind of a baby? Ah, uh, your dad said that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, children are terrifying. Uh, I agree. <laughs> children are terrifying. That's true. <laughs> hey, um, so there's a child right here. Um, but so they will bite the cage. It would be pretty unusual for them to break the cage, just because most people are going to use a cage that is strong enough for the shark that they're going after. Um, you know, in this particular movie. That shark is much larger than they thought it was. So the sh- the cage that they had brought with them was maybe not strong enough to handle it. Um, or, but or maybe the shark or maybe the cage that they had was just on the boat and it was the only one they had. Yeah, sure. So they because they called it in the movie. They said twenty five. The guy was like Quint was like twenty four yard, and then the um then the marine biologist, which is more like an ecologist or something like that, says no, it's a twenty five footer. He's like twenty four footer, 
25 footer, but let's agree to disagree. Yeah, he says, that's a 20 footer. Because usually they're like, an adult would be 13 to 15 feet. 18 would be a really big one. I I would have to look it up. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but the record caught Great White is probably 20 to 22, somewhere in there. Let's let's talk a little bit about is, um, okay, so once they get on the boat, right, and it's Brody, Quint, and um, shoot, what's Richard Dreyfuss's character's name? Um, don't screw it up now. His name is Don't Screw It Up no, Now. No, he calls his name and then he goes, "Don't screw it up now." Isn't it like the uh, is? Are you the one you're talking about? Um, Brody, the guy who um, the office. Hooper. Hooper, Hooper there is you his go. name. Yeah. He goes, "Hooper, don't screw it up now." <laughs> That's a line. And then Hooper's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Richard Don't wait for me. Well, so what did you think um, once, you know, Quint, who's kind of the old man at the sea, who's Quint's got all the experience, right? He's he's an old sailor. Yeah. He knows how all this stuff works. Sheriff Brody has no experience with the ocean and is, in fact, terrified of it. And Hooper is this young new kid who doesn't have a whole lot of experience, but he's got a lot of toys to play with that he can bring and use to do that. And a lot of formal education. Right. Whereas and a lot of Quince formal education. Acquired like, through life experience. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that that makes for a really interesting dynamic on the boat. And I was kind of curious, like, what did you think about their relationship as they are forced to work together in this very small space? They were definitely not happy about it. I know that <laughs> for sure. And I got to say, I did not like the interactions between them because. Honestly, what I thought was going to happen is that they were going to get along great, and then towards the end, they were going to get along horribly. Mm-hmm. That was and your that expectation? that is not what happened. Well, it, was it was kind of the complete opposite. opposite. Yeah, right? They were horrible the whole time in the relations, but then at the end, they were like, good, uh, good association or whatever. One of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is when they first, when Hooper and Quint first start to bond, and... Quint is showing off a scar, and Hooper says, I can beat that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember. It's a whole, so it's like after they, that they were singing, he was like, look at the scar I got. I'll tell you the story. And then he's like, mm-hmm. I have a better scar. And then the, and then Chief Brody is like, I have this scar. And then he's like, only that scar, but doesn't say anything else about that. Well, that's my favorite part of that scene is where, where Brody's like, oh, they're bonding. I could get on this. And he's got his, his appendectomy scar. And he's like, I could, I could, no, I can't share this one. Do you, that's your take on it? Is that's what it is? That's interesting. I've always wondered what that scar is that Brody is hiding. And I always assumed that it had something to do with the reason that he wanted to leave New York City and come to Amity in the first place. Oh, maybe he got stabbed like he as got a police stabbed officer. Or he got shot or that's so, yeah. because you know what? That's not my take on that. My take on that is the only injury that Brody has really had, despite his career as a police officer, is this scar of like an appendectomy when he had to go into surgery as like a, a kid or a young mm-hmm. man or something like that. And I and in in my head, that's part of why he doesn't quite fit in with those guys. Those yeah. guys Despite him living a very hard profession and mm-hmm. leaving New York City because it was too hard for him, I think that those guys had a much more common bond about the the damage that had been done to them in the pursuit of their interests. You know, it's interesting because, uh, first of all, I read the book Jaws by Peter Benchley, but so long ago that I don't remember a lot of the details from it. Some of them, but not all of them. So I don't remember if the book mentions his scar, you know, mm-hmm. if that's in there or not. I would be curious um, to know. I do know that, um, at least I'm pretty sure, there is a scene in that book where Brody wakes up 
and uh, with his wife next to him and says, where's the cat? And she says, what cat? And he says, the one that shit in my mouth. And Are you sure that's a Jaws line from the no, book? No, I'm not sure. But for a long time, I was convinced it was in the movie, and it's definitely not. I so. think that's a line from Chasing Amy. I've never seen Chasing Amy. I- Anyways, the point is, though, I have had a conversation with somebody about um, Brody's scar and like the meaning of it. So you thought it was an appendectomy, yeah. and, and there was the juxtaposition there. I thought it was had something to do with the reason that he left New York City. Um, but my dad always thought that the scar had something to do with his fear of the ocean. That makes sense. I think, yeah, I think it does make sense. I think I think it could be any of those things. But I guess prob- it just depends on your take on Brody as right. as a person. But I don't think any shark has that tiny of the bite rate. Oh, sure they do. Really? Yeah, the smallest shark in the world is only about six inches long. Oh wow, that's teeny tiny. What did you think of Sheriff Brody, Claire? Sheriff Brody. Do you think he was a good sheriff? He was a good sheriff. The mayor was horrible. Yeah. It was a terrible mayor. If he wants his if he wants his island to be good, he should have given them more time to catch that shark. He's like, you have 24 hours. I would have given them like 48 hours. That would have been whole a whole extra day, you say. You know what's really interesting is when you're watching that movie, definitely they do a good job of convincing you that the mayor is just human garbage and all of this is his fault and he's terrible. But in real life, a mayor is elected to look out for the interests of the town, and it is definitely not in the interests of the town for the beach to be closed economically. And in terms of public safety, you were right when you said that people who go swimming in the ocean are around sharks every day, and the attacks are incredibly rare. So to respond to one shark attack by closing all the beaches would make him a bad mayor. Well, and I, you know, I, I think, and this is what I think makes that the whole first hour of that movie is so interesting. I mean, because you spend the whole first hour getting to know Sheriff Brody and the mayor and the townsfolks and understanding this like pressure cooker that they are now enveloped in based on this attack and what everybody thinks should happen. And I do think that the mayor has a fine reason for wanting to keep the beaches open. It makes sense. It would be bad for the town. In fact, if they make most of their money for the year in that one week time frame and they close the beaches for it, that is an enormously devastating devastating loss to the city and maybe more devastating um, than a shark attack that might or might not happen. Like I see his argument there, but what I kind of, my take on it is that, you know, Sheriff Brody felt that the right thing to do was to close the, the, the water to close the beach, but he didn't stick to his guns. He gave in and let somebody else talk him into how to do his job. And I think that's the great mistake of the movie. Uh, and And I think that that affects Sheriff Brody so directly and gets him on that boat because he recognizes what a huge mistake he made. You know, the mayor feels bad in retrospect because a kid dies on the beach that he decided to keep open so that people could make money. But I don't think that he could have known that was going to happen. And I don't think it's his job to prevent that from happening. I think it's the sheriff's job to speak to the safety or the Coast Guard or something. You know, I mean, like, but in the, the construct that they had for that. Well, movie. and you see when um, Alex Kintner's mother slaps Brody and says, you know, you knew there was a shark out there. You knew it was dangerous. and You let people go swimming anyway. I just wanted you, you know, my, now my boy's dead. I just wanted you to know that the mayor says she's wrong. And Brody says, no, she's not. So, and I think that kind of speaks to what you're talking about. Like, you know, it's, it wasn't the mayor's responsibility, so he doesn't feel that weight in the same way that um, that Birdie does. Well, I, go ahead. He, he, it kind of is still the mayor's fault because he's the one who talked Birdie into it. And Birdie was probably the chief long before he was elected the mayor. So- no, 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 no. 
No, Brody is brand new to the island. Yeah, brand new. Brand that new. mayor's been there forever. This is his first summer at the island. Well, I still think that maybe the mayor, he like he knows that it's the chief's job to keep everyone safe. And he knew that there could be another shark attack. He solidly knew. But he decided to ignore it and was like, my job is to make this town make money. But really, two days away. And I remember that it was like se- that, the, that, that 24 hours was several days before the 4th of July. So you could have made it like 48 hours or however much hours three days is. Because that was like several days away. It was like five days away from the 4th of July when it was the 24 hours. So you could still set leave it at like three days or 48 hours but definitely you could have gone more than 24 hours when you knew that two people died from this shark i think the mayor is very focused and as a character he doesn't have a lot of places to go and i think sheriff brody has more space to go when he first says the beach needs to be closed he says it because he's personally afraid of sharks and the water he, he makes that call out of fear, not out of necessity, not out of being right, not out of any of that. And he gives up his convictions because he leans on his fear when he's making that decision first. And so when somebody pushes him over, he says, well, I can't make a decision based on fear, I guess. And so he kind of lets it go. And when they find the other shark, right, they, they catch a shark and they kill a shark and they bring it in. Um, Hooper comes to town and Hooper says, nah, there's no way that that was the shark. Now Brody says, wait a second, here's an expert who knows something about what's going on and he doesn't think this is the shark. That actually is a problem and we should address it. And that's what gets him on the boat is instead of, you know, leaning into making sure the beaches are closed, he still fights that fight, but he takes himself out onto the water to go and solve this problem directly. And I like I love that he's overcoming his fear to do that. Um, so I think I think we've been going on a while. Do you have anything that you want to talk about, um, Jaws, that we haven't talked about, Claire? Well, at the beginning, I don't know if I don't know if you heard this, but I was, but I heard the, da, 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 mm-hmm. da, and I was like, is Baby Shark at the beginning? And, ma- and ma- <laughs> she did. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> She did, and I was like, because the beginning, if you like, baby shark, if you actually listen to that song like on Amazon Alexa or whatever, it starts off with the first couple bars of Oh my god, that's horrible. That's and I was like, is this song Baby Shark? And she's like, no, Baby Shark was based off of the Jaws. Of that song. That well, because that that um would that be score? Yeah. Yeah. Like that that um that score is one of the most famous um ones in movie history. Like what do you think about the music in Jaws? Know what that song? I like. It was good, right? Like it was very tense. Like that's the great thing about the da 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 da. da. Like you can't help but your heart starts to beat in time when the da da it's because of the bass going on and like it's so obvious that it's designed to accelerate your heart rate but it doesn't matter because it works and you get tense because that's what's going on. Like I think it's a really masterful score. It is. And it can get in your head. I've been in the water before in particularly dark water when you can't see what's under you and I can just hear it playing in my head like okay I need to get out of this water now. 
What did you think about uh, Quint's uh, monologue about being on the USS Indianapolis when it went down in the water and his friends were getting eaten by sharks? Uh, he did not take that very well, but <laughs> when he was saying it, it like it kind of reminded me of um, I was like reading of a book uh, of a book. I don't remember which book, but it was like it was like something about survival. And it was about um, the Indianapolis or one. Well, it wasn't the Indianapolis, but it was like a well, it was another one. And 12 people died. No, 12 people were on the boat and 11 people out of the 12 died. And I was like, when he was talking about the Indianapolis, it kind of reminded me of that because he said he was the only one left. What did it did it make you kind of understand Quint as a character a little bit better? Yeah. Did, it, did you understand why he was kind of so standoffish and wanted to sort of be on his own, maybe as a result of going through something upsetting like that? I love how he's like, how he's like putting it in so to detail because he's like, my friends were murdered by the bloody shark. The, the boat sinks. There's sharks everywhere. And the sharks just come right up. He hears the piercing scream of, of the people dying. And then it goes silent. And you never hear from them again. It's upsetting. Kind of. That monologue is so well delivered. I mean, definitely, he's, definitely. He's so good at that. And and it's interesting because, you know, Quint is a shark hunter or fisherman, however you want to describe it, by trade. Because when they're in his um in his office, you know, getting ready to leave, you see all the jaws of all the sharks that he's caught, you know, in his career hanging on the walls as someone who loves sharks, really have a problem with shark fishermen, like a huge ethical problem. I, I don't like them. You know, they're like the ultimate villain in my mind, but I love Quint because he does such a good job of um, really- Playing the character. Yeah, he's, that monologue is so emotional and you're like, oh, okay, I, I understand you now. When I was doing a project in school, the week before we went to North Carolina for like a week, and um, we were doing a mantis, a mantis, sh- we were doing an oceans project. Me and my group were doing an oceans project. And I chose to do mantis shrimp. And it was like, what is the most danger to all the fish in the sea? And I said, hunters that only kill to make themselves feel good or hunters that only kill for the fun of it. And then in the what is that you think that is good for the animals from humans. And I said, people who think that hunting for fun or just to make yourself feel good is not very, is very bad, that sort of thing. And when you were saying that, that kind of reminded me of that. It's interesting with sharks, um, trophy hunters, which is what you're talking about, the people who go out and kill animals just to bring back like a piece of them like in this case, their jawbone or whatever, um, are not the biggest threat to sharks. They're a huge threat to things like elephants and lions and stuff like that. But, Why elephants um, Because uh, big trophy hunters, they want to hunt, um, you know, really oh, dangerous I thought, Oh, animals. I thought what you were saying is that elephants and lions you said some, the biggest threat. <laughs> the biggest threat to sharks are elephants. Shark. Oh, no. That's what you said. And I was like, I see what you're doing, what? shark. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, in that ocean. <laughs> no. Elephants would die. So like, would I'm going to be king of the jungle and the ocean. 
No. Can you just see um, a big cat <laughs> jumping into a body of water to attack a shark and then regretting all of its choices? Well, you know, there's, there's that uh, bear versus shark is a very famous short story. Um, no. But my point was commercial fishermen are actually the biggest threat to sharks because um, shark fins are are very valuable for food and... Um, why the fin? There's the rest of the shark, but why the fin? Uh, I don't know that I can answer that oh, for wait. you other than I've just the that. meat is better. I've heard of that. I don't know if it was a commercial or in a book about sharks. I'm pretty sure it was a book about sharks. And they said the, a lo- the biggest threat to sharks was people hunting for the fins. And I was like... Well, why don't they just somehow get in a cage and cut off the fin? Yeah, so commercial shark fishermen, um, what they do is they catch a shark, they reel it in, they slice off all of its fins, and then they throw the body back in the ocean. But sharks can't swim without fins, and they can't breathe if they don't swim. So they either bleed to death or drown. Um, or drown. Oh, I and was, oh, I thought you meant the top fin, and I was like, just, just reel it in, cut off the top no. fin, and then set it back out. No, and actually, one of the reasons that they throw the bloody carcasses back in is because it attracts then more sharks to the boat. Um, so it's a really unethical practice, Intense. and it's and it's yeah, it's super gross. Um, so, um, even in this particular incident, even if you're hunting them for food, um, yeah, I got a problem with. I Artists. don't think Quint would be your friend, Daniel. I don't think he would, but you know what's interesting about Quint is he doesn't do that uh, because he had the jawbones, which means he brings in the entire, um, the entire shark. He's more of a trophy hunter than, um, I than I don't know why, but when I was, but when we were talking about this, what suddenly popped into my head, I in the um, Ghostbusters movie, it's like when something doesn't look good, you call Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. I was like thinking, and I was thinking that Jaws could remix that song and be like. When something doesn't look good, when who are you gonna call? Wh- Quint? Wh- <laughs> no, <laughs> nobody would call that Quint. Would be a no. Commercial. So you thought that that was also gonna be a com- good commercial? When it's when it don't look good, who are you gonna call? Shark hunters. Oh yeah. There you go. Da-da, da-da, I think really what I realized <laughs> in the course of this conversation is that I am very much like Hooper, and your dad is very much like Brody. Which uh, which character do you think you're most like in that movie, Claire? Definitely Quint. Yeah, why? Because he's like more of like a outrageous, outgoing, doesn't like people telling him what to do. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly me. I don't like people telling me what to do. I like to be the boss and I like to do things that people don't do. Like, okay. like what would be my most thing that I might want if I was like 12 or the oldest age that you can get in a cage and go underwater as a kid or teenager my definite birthday item would be to get in a cage and go underwater but a literal like like a steel cage that has a window out of really intense bars because i do not want to get eaten i notice in this request though you have not mentioned a scuba tank so i mean we can put you in a steel cage and chuck you in the ocean I think Death you're Claire from Claire. I think you're um I think that's pretty insightful. You're you're identifying with Quint and you gave really good reasons. I was gonna say Bruce. <laughs> Wait, which one is Bruce? The, the shark. shark. Oh yeah. I was like, when did Those they name black, the shark? Dead and doll eyes. Doll eyes. No, I was thinking more like because Claire has a uh, uncanny ability to just destroy things. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Oh true. I was like, when I was, I was looking at you and I was like, 
When did they name him Bruce? I don't remember anyone calling him Bruce in the they movie. Don't. They don't. And then I remembered that at the beginning of the movie, you said that it was a mechanical shark, not a real shark, and not real people dying. People yep. got injured and stuff. And you're telling me about how Florida Grandpa actually met him because he got injured Nanny. on the set. Nanny met him. Yeah. And I remember that you said that it was a mechanical shark that they named Bruce that had a whole bunch of problems. And that's why you don't see a lot of him. Because most of the movie... He did, he was broken, and they only got a little bit of him. Yep, that's so right. So that's one of the main reasons why you don't see the shark a lot. And it's funny because, you know... I don't think you even do see the shark. Very, well, you see it, very well, rarely. Well, you do see it at the ding, and then you see through his eyes. But it's like once or twice that you actually see him. Yeah, a few times. You see him with the tank in his mouth at the yeah. end. Um, and you see him come up next to... Um, Brody when he's chumming and stuff like that, but um, not very you often. See through his eyes, but you don't see him. But you know, Spielberg has is credited with like making this masterful film, and a lot of the reason is because he never shows the shark. Most people don't realize that that was not as much of his vision as it was just that Bruce didn't work. Yeah, but I I do think you know filmmaking is solving problems in the moment. And when you show up and your shark doesn't work that way, the way that he came up with to present the shark and to work the movie around it, uh, I think it it works perfectly. Yeah. Um I mean, he, you know, he's Steven Spielberg. He knows how to make movies. Yeah. So I mean, he could have just used a puppet that didn't move. Thank God he didn't. Yep. So, here's the thing. We've been talking for almost an hour now. Danielle, do you have anything that you want to get into before I, we get out of here? I did have one thing that we did not really get into. Um, you know, it's uh when Jaws first came out, there were people terrified to go swimming after seeing it. They were even afraid to go swimming in a swimming pool. <laughs> a uh, pool? Yeah. What? Yeah, because it, sharks because don't it, even go in pools. Right, but it just terrified them. And I have to tell you, I have been swimming in a pool at night before and gotten freaked out to the point where I had to like give myself a stern talking to because I was in a pool for God's sake. Um, but a pool? Are you kidding? I'm not. Yeah, kidding. but you know, you well, grew up in Florida, I, I, and there are alligators in some of those places. Yeah. You never know. Night swimming not a good idea. Right, it is not a good idea. Um, so I'm just curious if. You know, you saw that movie um, and it got you a couple times with the jump scares and whatnot. Um, and then you immediately had to go back to swim team where you're swimming six days a week. Did it ever make you when you were swimming? Were you ever like, oh, man? Nope. Also, I had to look. <laughs> under no. Lame. No, because also I had to look under me the whole time because when I was swimming in the water, you have to look straight down because if you look straight out, then... Something's wrong with the swimming or something like that. Coach Maggie was talking about it. She said, either look straight down, look straight up, or look straight to the side. Nothing different than those three. So I always had to have my face down. So even if I was scared, I always knew that nothing was under me because I could see under me. Do you think if we had been near the ocean, because your dad and I grew up on the ocean, would you have been scared to go in the ocean after seeing Jaws? Oh, definitely. A reef, I'd definitely go in because... Grammy said that the rocks are built to the shore, the um, shallows where the sand is, so no sharks could get in. So oh, don't I would go listen in the to Grammy. Grammy does not know what she's talking. You're talking about the jetties. There's never been a shark attack inside the jetties, but that doesn't mean they're gonna be. I would go in the reef, but be in extreme caution, like being like three feet or four feet. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I think one of the movies that we should watch is called The Shallows, where uh, Blake Lively gets attacked by a shark uh, in a reefed in area, I'm pretty sure. 
So most people who are attacked by sharks are attacked in less than six feet of water. I'm even afraid to go in it now. Oh. And that, and even before watching Jaws, I never even heard about Jaws. Well, I heard about Jaws because I asked to watch the bag, and you said you have to watch all the Jaws movies first. I'm like, well, not all the Jaws movies. We gotta at least watch Jaws first. True. Because the bake is basically built off of Jaws, you said? Yep. It All right. references it. So, speaking of other movies to watch, I think we're going to wrap this episode up. Coming up, we'll have a discussion about Varsity Blues from 1999. Which uh, we just watched last night. That's right, which we just watched. Uh, and then after that, I think probably we'll watch The Shallows or The Meg, something like that. I know you've been asking to watch The Meg. I, th- I, th- I think you might like The Shallows more, but... I, I get... No, I totally disagree. She's going to like the Meg more. All right. Because the Meg is funny. The Shallows is just intense. Like, yeah. The Shallows is like somebody took Jaws and stripped out all the jokes. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Um, okay. So, but then after, uh, we'll, we'll probably watch another shark movie. And then after that, I think we're going to get into um, the universal horror monster movies where we kind of go back to uh, the original Frankenstein, Dracula, Creature from the Black Lagoon. I think that's going to be some fun. I need to vote register my vote right now for deep blue sea as the best shark movie ever made that's not jaws okay well that's not jaws i said that's not jaws (laughs) well do i agree with that i mean ll cool j um speaking of the black lagoon me and daddy have been uh read a daddy even got to talk to the author of the book and she's like getting into the world of the black lagoon and then designing and she was the first girl as in female designer of a really important movie that they never even tell. Mm-hmm. So sure, um, you know that that book is um, by Mallory O'Mara. It's called. Uh, it's right there. It's the Lady from the Black Lagoon, and that is a creature, right? And it's about Millicent Patrick, who Millicent designed Patrick. the look and the costume for. The, they call him Gilman in the credits, but uh, the, it was the creature from the Black Lagoon. She designed that, and uh, Bud Westmore, who was uh, in charge of that department, uh, did not credit her, and in fact fired her from the set so that she could not take credit for that particular creation. And so Mallory went and uh, did a bunch of research on it, and Claire's been kind of going through that book and and enjoying it. As you know, she's very passionate about it, as you can see. Um, and so that kind of got me excited to watch some of these old uh, black and white horror movies. And, and I think that'll be a lot of fun. I was talking about that, Tim. And we were talking when we were going to 7-Eleven and get some treats, like Doritos and stuff. Anyways, that's not about the treats. It's about <laughs> what we were talking about. And I was talking. And so I here's the thing. About... When you work with a nine-year-old, the best way to do your business meetings is on the way to 7-Eleven to buy them candy. But that's true. <laughs> We've always talked about those books and stuff when we're going to 7-Eleven. She's like, just really hoping that some of her fans will send her Doritos. I'm not. Anyways, You're hoping so you, that. Focus, focus. Uh, you were saying on the way to 7-Eleven, we were talking about it. We were talking about the book. And then I was like, and then you said, well, since you're so into the book, maybe we should watch the series of movies, the original ones. And also we were talking about um, a Hulu show that they were watching drunk history i think it's called where these three people are drunk and they're talking about important history <laughs> so what claire's talking about is is um uh danielle and i were watching an episode of drunk history about uh mary shelley and um Frankenstein. Uh, the creation of frankenstein as a story and uh, like to, to be honest it's a pretty good episode if you just want to hear sort of the fun version of that uh creation story but then you know 
kind of in that same vein of, you know, um, Millicent Patrick being a great creator. Uh, Mary Shelley is a great writer and she's got one of the best um, monster creations uh, stories of all time. And in fact, you know, people still make movies that riff on that story. Like um, when Brad and I went down to the Overlook Film Festival, we interviewed a guy named Larry Fessenden, who's got a movie coming out called uh, Depraved. And it's uh, September the 13th that that comes out. You should look and find it. But it's a modern retelling of the Frankenstein story. Like Mary Shelley made something that has continued to impress upon people uh, for 150 years coming up on, maybe. I'm not totally sure when Frankenstein came out. I was going to say like the 1870s, but I don't know if that's right. It's definitely not uh, more recent than that. Right. Maybe older than that. But, you know, like these movies have a huge legacy. And one of the biggest uh, notes in those legacies is that um, that universal horror Frankenstein, the original Frankenstein. So that yeah. I, so I think we'll go through those movies. Um, all right. What I wanted to finish saying was that there's a modern retelling of The Descendants. So there's Descendants movies about the descendants of, char- of the characters in Disney movies. Well, there's a um, movies called Monster High, which is basically the descendants of all of these... Disney classic villains. Monsters. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Monster monsters. High is classic monsters. Oh, Monster High is classic and monsters. Then, good. So basically, the Monster High version is a modern retelling of like the descendants of the creepy monsters. I think it'll be interesting, though, after you've seen those classic <laughs> horror films that your dad is talking about, um, you're going to start making connections that you, you know, didn't anticipate. Like if you watch The Wolfman and then you're like, oh, that's what that character is riffing on. Um, there's. In the Monster High, there's Frankie, the daughter of Frankenstein. Right. Exactly. But you don't actually, I mean, well, we'll get into that when you watch Frankenstein. Yeah. So here's the thing. Um, if you, uh, you know, we're, we're back and we're going to be recording. Uh, we're going to try and record a few episodes in the next couple of weeks. Claire's got a sleepaway camp coming up, um, but we're going to try next and start stock. Yeah. Um, I'm so excited. She is very excited. She's been excited all summer for it. Um, we're hoping. I was thinking maybe we should do the monster movies after the camp. And like we were and you were saying that we should do some camp movies. And I was thinking, what about do all those creepy camp movies right before I go to camp? Well, not the creepy ones, but like but like you were thinking of doing It Takes Two and then I suggested <laughs> Bunked. I love you that had you... it on the list of It Takes Two. I am not lying. You said <laughs> that on there. Well, maybe we'll put a Friday the 13th into the rotation before you get out of here uh, to nope. go to camp. Nope. No. No. Hard no. Hard no. I don't think I'm even, I don't think, I don't think anyone has watched it at the age of 10. I am not watching Friday the 13th at age of 10. Even though I really want to watch it, I'm going to wait till I'm like 15. I, I would just like to car. point out here that Claire turns 10 in like, three weeks so she's jumping the gun just a tiny bit no and also i mean like you asked to see it a whole bunch of times which is no different okay so if you uh if you haven't subscribed to the podcast uh find us uh where uh wherever you listen to podcasts we're on apple Podcasts and a couple other places if you haven't given us a review uh, it would be super helpful if you could do that that's the kind of help uh that only listeners like you can provide which will help us an enormous amount as we seek to expand our audience uh, you can find us on twitter uh you can find bill and claire's excellent adventures on twitter at b-a-c-e-a podcast uh and you can find me personally on twitter at wbdas on instagram let box and all that all right tune in next time for varsity blues we'll see you all then peace out share your love
Do you want to listen or sing the uh, the sea shanty song? Yeah. Are we all singing? Yeah, why not? I'm tired and I want to go to bed. I had a little drink about an hour ago and it went straight to my head. Quint's face there. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's attacking my boat. 